This is the Improved Photography Podcast, episode number 199. This episode is brought to you by a fella named Brent who rents lenses. His website is brentrentslenses.com. Brent's always happy to provide you the advice you need when you need it and the gear you need when you need it as well. Uh, Use offer code IMPROVE at checkout to get 15% off your first gear rental. And by Squarespace. Squarespace is an excellent place to go when you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store. It's all included with your Squarespace website. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code IMPROVE to get 10% off your first purchase. and welcome back to the Improved Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Harmer, and today I am joined by Mr. Nick Page and Miss Sandy Durow. Hey, guys. Thanks for hey. having me. Well, uh, we have a ton to talk about in our new format uh, this week. We're going to talk about six different topics. Well, Nick, you had an awesome week this week. Yes. Uh, you're getting your photos <laughs> posted by NFL stars and going to shoot the game. Tell us all about it. So this past weekend, as I mentioned last week, I got to shoot the Saints versus the Seahawks down in New Orleans. It was a really, really cool experience. It, uh, shooting the NFL, I don't think could ever possibly get redundant or old. It's always just so exciting. And it was made a little bit more surreal for me because I was running a fever <laughs> when I shot it. I was uh, running a little bit of a temperature because I was sick and I was sleep deprived from the night before because I didn't get to sleep in a hotel. I got to sleep on an airplane, which is not nearly as good. And so I was really tired and really exhausted and a little bit sick. But to my surprise, I ended up coming home with good photos <laughs> at the time. It did not feel like I was getting good photos. But when I got home and started to review stuff, it turns out I got some good ones. I have a funny story. Sorry yeah. to interject. Um, mm-hmm. So when uh, the boys were going through the different football games and the Seahawks game came on and I went, oh, I have a friend that's there that's shooting. And they were like, yeah, right. You're not going to be able to see him. The stadium, stadium's huge. And you popped up on the screen. I was like, there he is. There he is. He's there. And I started like jumping up and down. And then I took a picture and then posted it on your Facebook. But they were like, oh, I guess she did find him. That, that is so awesome. And so, they probably said it like that too, all condescending. Uh, like, I'm sure that was really him. She, she's yeah. just making it up. Uh-huh. You're a girl. You don't even know what football is. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to derail your story. That could get going. <laughs> well, for anybody that watched the game or watched the highlights of the game, the very last play of the game, it came down to the last play where um, Seahawks are driving down. They threw to the corner of the end zone and Jermaine curse almost catches the ball inbounds, but he caught, caught it just out of bounds. Seahawks lose, but that happened right in front of me, literally like three feet from me. I could have reached out and touched him right after the play. So every single highlight of the, of the game in that last play, it shows me and by far the best sports shot that I've ever got before happened on that play. So when I'm shooting NFL, I have two cameras on me. I have my, uh, in this case, is the 5D Mark IV with my 120 to 300 f 2.8 long lens, and then on my hip, that's a that's a Sigma or a Tamron Sigma. It's the okay. Sigma Sport Edition. It's a big beast of a lens, and I really like it because it's f 2.8, but it's also zoomable. My second camera, I always keep a wide angle lens on me, so if stuff does get close to me, I have the ability to grab a shot of it. Well, on that play. I was shooting the quarterback and he throws it my way. And I just, you know, I had to, while the ball was in the air, I had to switch cameras 
and grab the camera that's down on my hip and then try to get it up in time to not only focus, but snap off a couple shots. And I was able to get one while he was still up in the air before he came down in the, on the ground. When it, stuff is happening that fast, like you can't even bring it up to your eye. You're just like pointing the camera and letting it, <laughs> letting it rip. So I had it cut throughout the whole game. I was keeping that camera, not only like, you know, not letting it go to sleep, but making sure my settings were right, making sure that it was an AI servo, making sure that it was in the uh, auto select focus point where it's just, you know, trying to focus on anything. And somehow I got that shot and it was just such a panicked moment because I actually have a shot of him about to throw the ball. And then before the ball got to me, I was already taking pictures with another camera and it was like the first time that that's ever really worked out for me. And I'm so glad I did because it was like the, the definitive play of the game happened right in front of me. I had a front row seat and if I would have missed that shot, I would have felt sick, but luckily I got it. So yeah. Were you afraid at all that they were going to run you over? Yeah, kind of. But you're in you're in go mode so much that like you you almost you're almost kind of inviting it. Like you don't care. You just want to get your shots. And that's kind of the neat part of being in a place like that is that all the other photographers there pretty much take it just as seriously as you do. So it puts you in this really like serious competitive mode where you're just like so ultra focused. There's not an ounce of laziness in your, in you at that moment. So Mm -hmm. when the player plays would come get close to me, I wouldn't, wasn't even thinking about like, well, what if they run into me? I was thinking about, well, this shot's going to be awesome. You know, (laughs) I was just getting excited. Um, But yeah, it happens for sure. Last year I did get ran into Uh, this year. I didn't. I got lucky in that way. And they're huge. Like they would, they would take Nick page out. (laughs) Like I've never (laughs) felt so small in my life than standing on the sidelines at an NFL game. Cause those guys are monsters. They're just (laughs) big, sweaty, mean men. Um, yeah, they're, they're much larger than me. Very cool. Well, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about second shooting a wedding. Uh, I think a lot of our listeners, well, we have a lot of wedding photographers who are listeners of the show um, but we also have a lot of people who are, you know, would be interested in it, but would like to second shoot, uh, for the first time, uh, or would like to break into, into the wedding industry and, and want, uh, and would like to start with, with second shooting. Um, so uh, there was a great article written on, on the website on improvephotography.com this week called 16 tips, uh, for shooting your, or for second shooting your first wedding. Uh, this is a, uh, kind of a throwback from, uh, Portrait Session. So we have several mm-hmm. podcasts on the Improved Photography Network, and Portrait Session is a great one with uh, Nick and Erica and Connor. And anyway, they had uh, Aaron Taylor on the podcast because he shot with Erica uh, to second shoot a wedding. So definitely go back and, and check out that um, that uh, podcast on Portrait Session. Uh, but he included a lot of the things that that he learned in the article. Uh, so I have never second shot a wedding. I guess I was dumb enough to just jump right into mm-hmm. it. I, I wish I would have had that opportunity, uh, but I've definitely had a lot of people work with me um, in in shooting. And I, I would say, I, I guess I kind of want to go around to you guys and, and hear what uh, advice you'd have for somebody who's second shooting, either a wedding or really anything else. Uh, for me, uh, the most important thing is that uh, when I'm working with somebody, if they're going to be holding the light, uh, I want to 
work a language a little bit with them right from the get go on at the very start of the day uh, so that you know when i say you know the light's too bright uh, that they don't you know scoot back that they're actually turning the power down or where, mm-hmm. when i say feather it up it means twist the pole twist the pole up or down um and so i find that if, if we get that kind of thing set at the beginning of the day goes much better and it's not like ah me wanting to just walk over there and move it myself all day uh nick tell me some pet peeves you have <clears throat> with people that have uh, shot with you or things that that people do well when when they're assisting you well i think first off i the the term second shooter implies that you're going to be doing a lot more photography than you actually do i know like <laughs> that's that's a good point <laughs> people that second shoot for me like i end up not using a ton of their images basically what i need from them is to cover a different angle during the ceremony, maybe go get the detail shots and um, like I'll go with the guys and oftentimes my second shooter will go with the girls or vice versa. And that's really all the photography part that they're doing. The rest of the time they're either being a gopher or they're helping me with lighting or they're holding a lens so I can quickly swap out during a first dance, that kind of thing. So Um, probably the most important thing for a second shooter is to know the main shooters camera bag and like where they keep stuff because the most useful thing that I have Annalise or anybody else that's second shooting for me, the most useful thing that they can do is know exactly like, okay, I need a new battery. Can you grab a battery? And they need to be able to do that quickly or you know, can you grab my 16 to 35 or grab my wide angle lens or grab my macro or whatever? They need to know exactly what gear I have and where that way they can quickly just go grab it. And it doesn't hurt if they can read minds a little bit because a lot of, <laughs> yeah, that's always helpful. <laughs> a lot yeah, of, yeah. That's, that's just nice. If they have a couple superpowers, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Just, you can throw that in the mix because like when I'm in, when I'm in go mode at a wedding and like I'm working kind of hurried, I, I don't communicate very well. I'm just like, go grab my thing, grab the other thing, you know? <laughs> and it's, it's, so it's helpful if they know what I mean by the thing or the other thing or the pole <laughs> or, you know, terminology. And that maybe how I do you gain used. that? How do you gain this, this superpower? Uh, <laughs> probably just experience, just being around <laughs> Nick in those moments. So basically just communicating as far as like what gear the main photographer has, where they keep it and what they are likely to need during certain parts of the day. And that'll kind of help them anticipate what they should have in their hands at any given time, because more than anything, they're an assistant. I love that Annalise calls it your focus box. (laughs) <laughs> because I always say I'm a space cadet or I, I, I have ADD, um, adult ADD when I'm on a set like that. But when she said focus box, I was like, that is such a better way to describe what's going on in the photographer's mind in that moment. <laughs> Absolutely. I get in this place where I have a hard time communicating with the outside world because I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, so focused on what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. living inside my little camera Um, you can't even formulate like what you're trying mm -hmm. to say because it's like yeah (laughs) Yeah. how about how about you sandy i i know you're you know most of what you do is commercial photography are you ever doing portraits with an assistant 
So before I got into commercial photography, I did second shoot for a few weddings, probably about a dozen, uh, trying to figure out if that's what my niche was going to be. And it wasn't, but that's okay. It was a good experience. Um, What I would say is to definitely going back to what we already touched on, make sure that you have a really good communication with either the photographer that you're working with or um, who's going to be under you and know the expectations for even after the wedding. I burned some bridges and I'm not proud of it, but I was told that I could use the shots that I took from my own portfolio. So a month later, I posted some shots on social media and I didn't know that she hadn't delivered those photos to the client yet. I assumed that everybody had a two week turnaround and I didn't talk to her. I didn't ask her, but we had never set that down. I don't think you necessarily need a contract. It might be okay in some circumstances if you really can, you know, want to have control over every aspect of it, but just at least a verbal agreement of what's going to happen at every stage. Yeah. Ah, that's a good point. Yeah. That's an interesting kind of question that I think all wedding photographers and second shooters kind of have to answer on their own is do they get to use the photos for their portfolio? If so, who edits them? Things like that. I know I let Annalise use the photos that she takes at weddings for her portfolio. She oftentimes doesn't, but she could if she wanted to. But if she's going to be using them for her portfolio, I would probably prefer for her to re-edit them in the, the way that she would want it done. That's kind of an interesting question that I think every wedding photographer handles differently. I think a lot of them would say, no, those are my photos, but I'm not a jerk. So I don't But do then that. you would probably be, have to pay them a little more to compensate their time. If they're not going to get something out of it to better their career, that would be right. another discussion mm-hmm. to have too and negotiate on both sides. If you're not going to use it for your portfolio, then you're going to need a little bit more compensation if you're just going to hand them over maybe. But that's not my, that's not my uh, wheelhouse. So... <laughs> yeah. And so that's a great tip for anybody that is um, looking to shoot their first or second shoot for their first wedding. That's a great question to ask up front rather than to find out afterwards what, what the deal is with that. Like, do I get to use the images that I take for my portfolio? If so, do I get to edit them or do you edit them? How do you want to handle that? Um, that way, you know what you're getting out of the deal ahead of time. And there's no um, miscommunication that can happen afterwards. And what is your turnaround time for your clients so that I know when to be able to use them? Yep. Yeah. And the other question is, do you have a model release with the client? Yeah. The mm-hmm. principal photographer hopefully uh, has a contract with, with the couple, but the second shooter probably yep. doesn't. And mm-hmm. so you probably don't have a model release from the couple. So that's another thing you're going to have to work out. It's something you really have to watch because I think a lot of photographers, you know, who are wanting to break into this industry, you know, say, oh, you man, I would love any opportunity. And so they're, you know, walking around looking for any opportunity to second shoot. And then, you know, it, it can really be not at all what you expect it yeah. to be if you aren't careful on those details. It's definitely mm-hmm. not as glorious as you might think it is because, you know, you're not even if you do second shoot and you take a lot of shots, most likely those are not going to be the kinds of shots that you would put in your portfolio anyways. Very few people are putting like really nice shots of, you know, the centerpieces of tables in their their portfolio. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a lot of what second shooters shoot or the details or getting ready shots. They're not going out and doing portrait sessions with the bride and groom 
which is right, typically yeah, what you end up putting in a portfolio. Yeah, it's usually details and like the actual ceremony you're probably yeah. going to be shooting uh, because usually you aren't going to be holding a flash during the ceremony. You know, the couple doesn't want a softbox over their head during yes. the ceremony. So exactly. it, it's a good time to be shooting is is during the ceremony. But the, the during the ceremony fo- photos, unless it's just an amazing location, uh, probably aren't going to be real interesting or aren't going to show your skill as much uh, as the, you know, those formal photos with the couple. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you might not get give to even shoot those. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about learning something completely new. Who wrote this <laughs> in here? That was me. Uh, I was just going to talk about, you know, one of the many things that is so awesome about photography is there's always a new technique to learn. And each time that you kind of master one thing, you're ready to move on to the next. And I'm moving on to this thing called virtual staging, and it's probably totally unrelatable to most Ooh, of our audience. I was audience. checking into that this week. Tell me about it. <laughs> so it's uh, basically a lot of people use it for real estate. But what you would do is uh, take a shot of an empty room and then you would furnish it in Photoshop uh, or another program that I don't know about that I wish that I knew about because it's it's really difficult for me right now. And I'm getting so frustrated with getting the angles and the shadows lined up and trying to make it look realistic. And I'm, I'm just trying to remind myself that you have to start somewhere and it will be easier. The first time that I tried, you know, masking, for instance, it was so hard, but now I can do it in two seconds. So I just want everybody to keep like, just be patient with yourselves because I'm trying really hard to be patient with myself, even though I'm so ready to give up with this. So on top of that, if you guys have any uh, resources, articles, anything about virtual staging that I could even buy, I don't care. I want to learn more about how to do it because my clients need it. So are you using like stock images of the furniture and then trying we, to match up highlights and shadows and all of that? So in my case, it's for a furniture showroom. So what we did was uh, we initially started with the stock rooms, the empty rooms, and they didn't work at all. They were they weren't lit the same at all. So what we did instead was I went around and we emptied corners of the showroom that were made to look like living rooms. And I shot an empty room and then I took the same measurements and then I would shoot furniture in the studio at that same angle and drop them in. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's that <laughs> so, sounds very So difficult. you're putting in you it can is, put in yeah. like like three D models of mm-hmm. furniture. And mm-hmm. you can, so you take a picture of the room, you know, if you're shooting mm-hmm. real estate and let's say it's just an empty house and you want to, you know, stage it, make it look nice. You can take a 3D model of the furniture and just put it in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's crazy the, the things you can do. I mean, it's so cool. Um, but uh, it's uh, definitely some learning curve in here. Right. To as do far it as convincingly. I know. That would be the exactly, hard part. Exactly. It looks so fake. And I know that it's fake, so I might be being overly critical on myself. But I really wish that there were some kind of training guides or some resource out there or even a program that could do it. But I've asked around everywhere that I could think of. And everybody just says, you have to do it in Photoshop or these rendering programs, these graphic design programs, which means I would have to learn a, a whole new system. So it's just, it's like I said, it's frustrating. Wow. <laughs> I'm frustrated. Yeah. But you know what, like kind of getting back to the the whole point of this is anytime that you're learning something new and you're frustrated, that is when you grow the most, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 when you're learning that new technique, 
you know, that, that frustration you feel is the, is weakness leaving the body. You know, that's, <laughs> that's like when we're actually getting better. And, and when you haven't felt that frustration in a while, maybe it's time you go out and you challenge yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's so, a really good point. And anytime that I've had this where I did a really bad job or I didn't like it, it just motivated me to master that thing. Like mm-hmm. I was so angry. I'd be like, I'm going to master this <laughs> no yeah. matter what. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's cool to, to just, you know, try something different. Like one thing is that I think it'd be great for photographers to try is to just learn graphic design. Like, you know, you already have the creative cloud. So, you know, just download Illustrator. It's already in your creative cloud. Download it and just learn how to work with with vector graphics uh, for, for, uh, you know, graphic design or InDesign. You know, learning a new new software can do cool things. I saw somebody use, uh, take a photo of a, of a landscape and then take a 3d model of a deer and stick it in the landscape. And it looked totally real. It was so cool. You know, is it photography at that point? You know, probably Mm. not. I don't care. I don't care what it's called. It's (laughs) just about learning something creative and it's just fun uh, to to try whatever it is you want to tackle next. I learned something really interesting too. And this is, uh, you know, just for my county, but I guess that if you have a library card in Las Vegas, you can use that to access lynda.com, which is one of the best mm-hmm. places to learn that kind of technical stuff where it goes through step by step. So if you are interested in lynda.com, I would go check your library and see if they have the same kind of resource. Yeah, very cool. I, I also, this is, you know, not, not to your point exactly, but I also <laughs> want to mention that uh, Adobe announced Project Felix um, uh, today, actually. Um, at Adobe uh, at Adobe Max, um, and it's the purpose of it is to easily create 2D and 3D compositing uh, for photorealistic images. And they have some new uh, examples of it. You know, like uh, you take a picture of a of a soda can, and then you make digitally a 3D splash around it. You know, it's like a can is splashing down on the on the counter or something. Uh, so it's pretty cool. If you're interested in doing something like this, you might check it out and see how that would work with virtual virtual staging. Very what cool. was it called again? Project Felix. Felix. Okay. Like F-E-L-I-X. Nice. Thank you. All right. Uh, today, I want to talk a little bit more about Photoshop 2017 and some updates um, from Adobe Max. Uh, I guess that's, that's a good tie-in. So I went to the the virtual press conference and I'm going to confess, I almost fell asleep during this sucker. Um, Usually I am riveted uh, during the press conferences because often I'll get an early look at at the product before it comes out. Uh, I thought I had annoyed Adobe enough with our talking about Lightroom that they had cut me off, Uh, but I got to see an early preview of this one and, um, eh, you know, <laughs> Adobe right now is extremely focused on two things, selling you stock images uh, because they purchased Fotolia um, uh, oh, about a year ago, I think it was. And they're very busy in integrating that into Photoshop so that like as graphic designers are using the software and you need a photo, you just go grab it Um from from adobe stock so they're very busy integrating that into all the software they're very busy doing things like selling you fonts on typekit and in terms of updates uh or speed performance anything uh to photoshop and lightroom uh, you know very well we've talked about this a lot of times we're just not seeing them 
And after this press conference, it was clear why we're not seeing them and why we're still using Photoshop and Lightroom 2015 on uh, on uh, Creative Cloud. Um, even though it's the end of 2016, we're still using, you know, Lightroom 2015. Um, and the reason is that they're working on stock. Uh, they mm-hmm. made it abundantly clear during the entire press conference. It was only about uh, integrating the different uh, software packages, selling you stock photos, selling you fonts. Um, it was not about improvements. At the end, they finished the press conference and uh, they said, are there any questions? And usually like everybody asks a bunch of questions because we want to research all the details and stuff so that we can write blog posts. Silence. <laughs> Nobody, <laughs> not one question. It was just dead. And right. it's because everybody was like, okay, that was all about you and stuff you want to sell to us. That, that doesn't help me at mm-hmm. all. Looking at the, at the update, it does say that they improved performance a little bit. I they say that in every update. Yeah. I've tried it. It's a, they said it's a faster liquify tool is the improvement here. Right. At no point was I thinking, man, I just wish the liquify tool was faster because <laughs> yeah. I don't use it a ton. But when I do use it, I, I didn't even really notice that it was that slow. And the, one of the things that they did change was... I don't know how many of you are even aware of this, but in the liquify tool, there's the face aware liquify and it is the funnest thing ever to play with. I don't know if you've went in and and played with it, but you can make eyes bigger and mouths smaller and change uh, face shape and everything. And now in this update, They've added the ability to change eye size individually. That's oh nice. There's a big Thank update. You. Yes, I was really really fiending for that because I want to make one eye you know bulbous and the other one squinty, and now I will finally have the ability to do that Yay. inside the liquify tool. Have you guys but, checked out the templates that came in there? Because I thought that was the one thing that got me excited. And there are some that you have to pay for, and I know that this is their hook to get you to pay for them. But the free ones looked okay, and if you're not a good graphic designer some of them looked like really professional no i have like templates for flyers and stuff yeah um it's just anytime you go to open new and then you can go into templates and it's a ton of stuff but yeah there was anything uh from trifolds or uh banners for your facebook it looked like i just did a quick overview but they looked really well designed and a lot of them were free that could be cool Mm. that could be actually useful for a lot of photographers that don't have design backgrounds (laughs) exactly just creating like simple little ads for like you know uh fall Mm -hmm. sessions in the park by nick page and now i'll have a little template for it yeah i buy things like that pretty regularly Mm -hmm. Uh, in fact you know we just had a a church event and i i'm i i can design up a little bit but i'm not a you know i just don't have the eye for that aesthetic and Mm -hmm. so i'll usually just go and buy a a photoshop template of of whatever i want to do you know a flyer or something and so that's what i did for this event so that is something that i use uh guess it's better that it's in the program and i don't have to go to chrome now to just download one off the internet <laughs> so you would go anyway to chrome my point is that? this is all about adobe selling us more crap has yeah. n- almost nothing to do with improving the experience and this was exactly our fear when it went to creative cloud and uh you know it seems to be true we it's been a long time lightroom is in desperate need of a speed update um and they're really only focusing on themselves. Yeah. I think it's safe to say that this is a fairly modest <laughs> update. The fact that in two years that this is all that's changed in Photoshop, but Photoshop works 
Photoshop works really well. There's no like, yeah, I don't have complaints about Photoshop. Exactly. It's fine. It's Lightroom. That's the problem right now. Lightroom <laughs> is just yep. painfully slow. And it's, I don't know if it's just my machine, but it seems to be getting worse just all the time. Yeah. It's not, it's bad. It's not as fast as it used to be. And <clears throat> so that's the one that we all really want to update on because really Photoshop it it's already so powerful. It'll do more than most of us will ever use, and it works fairly fast. It's Lightroom that needs updated, I think. Yeah, and that was an interesting thing that there's no Lightroom 2017 in this update. Uh, there's a 2017 of just about everything Adobe does, but not Lightroom. Um, and so that's in a way hopeful for me. Yeah. Uh, that you know they're working on a more meaningful update. At you know hopefully. In 2017, we aren't using Lightroom 2015, right? But we're only a couple months away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully that's that's a sign of a bigger update coming to Lightroom uh, that just wasn't ready for Max. Hey, I'll wait for it if it's going to do the job. Um, but it is also concerning that like this is their big industry trade show. This is Adobe Max. This is where they make announcements. Um, and if it uh, wasn't ready to at least say what's coming, uh, it could be some time. So we'll see what happens. It's, uh, you know, Adobe still makes the best software out there. That's what we always have to keep saying. You know, we can complain as much as we want, but who makes something better? And so, you know, I'm glad for what they do have for us, but uh, I think all of us are anxious to see some updates there. Agreed. All right. We want to go on and talk about uh, two more topics and learn your 12 minute skill. But before we do that, we want to take a second and take and thank two companies for supporting the Improved Photography podcast. And the first is Blurb. Uh, Connor Hibbs just uh, just ordered a book from Blurb and I've ordered from them in the past. Uh, Blurb is a way to quickly upload your photos to their service. You design them into a book and and they'll mail it to you. And they're really nice looking books. The nice thing about Blurb for photographers, you know, a lot of these book services are really just focused on, you know, kind of the consumer, uh, you know, you just your average show that wants to make a, a quick book. Uh, but Blurb really has enough quality that a photographer is going to be happy with the images. At least I was happy uh, with it. And they they have beautiful templates you can order from your computer, iPhone, iPad, uh, and uh, you design up your book and you can print out to Blurb. If you want a custom gift this holiday season, go to blurb.com slash improve and enter offer code improve to get 25% off unique holiday gifts. That's blurb.com slash improve and enter code improve at checkout to get 25%. Blurb, make a book, leave your mark. And by my favorite provider for photography websites, it's Squarespace. Um, I have been using Squarespace for a lot of years before they were ever a sponsor of improved photography. And I, this week I just made uh, an update to my photography. Idaho is my, um, is my portfolio website on, on Squarespace. And I really like that. It's just quick and easy to be able to do that. Reorder your images in a gallery and, and make them look beautiful. Uh, Nick, I know you're using Squarespace of you. How, how's it been for you keeping your website updated? Well, lately it hasn't been good just because I've been, <laughs> I've been too busy to get on there. Is this user error? <laughs> yes, but it's in, just, it's simply user error. Uh, when I do go on <laughs> to update it, like I should, um, it's really fast. You just drag and drop, slide stuff into the right direction, in, in right position. Another thing I've been doing is selling prints through it. 
Um, just setting up a little store page. That's where I sell all of my workshops and stuff. Um, the store part of it is really easy to manage and it works really, really well for setting up a small store of some kind. So I, I really like it. I can't imagine you using anything else at this point. It works really well for me. Awesome. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code improve to get 10% off your first purchase. And we thank them for their support of the podcast. Let's see who added this. If if uh, someone's just starting out and they want to get their first real professional lens, what is it that you recommend? I, I added this. I've had this question asked to me like three times in the last month where somebody's just ready to upgrade from their kit lens. And I always say to just get the nifty 50, but that's because that's what I started out with and I loved it and it was a really good progressive lens but um, i'm curious what you guys would recommend my first question always is well what do you like to shoot and typically (laughs) somebody just starting out says i like to shoot everything everything (laughs) and so if if they shoot everything that means that they shoot people and to for somebody to get that first professional looking photo typically they associate shallow depth of field with professional photography so like you, I tell them the nifty 50, but if they're like, I only like landscape photography, then I direct them towards their first ultra wide angle lens. Like if they're on a crop sensor going out and getting like a Sigma 10 to 22 or something like that, something really wide angle, because those first wide angle landscapes that you take are some of, you know, those are a special memory in every photographer's past just because that first wide angle landscape photo is very fond to us. It's it's the first time you get to see something so wide uh, when you're taking a photo. So that's usually the two directions that I point people. Nice. Yeah. I, I usually steer people clear of the nifty 50. Honestly, if you're just buying your camera, you're just starting out and you know, you, you got budget for a couple lenses. I definitely think the 50 millimeter should be in there when you're starting, mm-hmm. when you're ready to move up and you're ready to do something w- with a nicer lens. I'm usually not going to point the people to the 50, uh, to the nifty 50. And here's the reason. Whenever we're on uh, meetups or workshops and we're shooting with with uh, with readers of improved photography are always the one, you know, we kind of form a line of where everybody's kind of shooting from. And the person that has the the kit lens or, or the I'm sorry, the uh, the prime lens is always stuck because yeah. you can't really move forward. You're going to get in <laughs> everybody's way and you can't really move back. Now everybody's in your photo. And so, boy, a, a zoom lens to me is so much more versatile um, than a nifty 50. It's easy to say just scoot in, but that changes the look of the photo. Zooming and and walking with your feet is not the same thing. I don't care how many times we've heard zoom with your feet. Yeah. It's not the same thing at all it has a very different look to the photo for example if i shoot a lion and i shoot it with a 600 millimeter lens <laughs> and then i shoot that lion with a 10 millimeter lens Completely you can absolutely <laughs> tell you can absolutely <laughs> tell which one i'm about to be eaten in and which one looks like i'm shooting it through binoculars <laughs> it, it's funny. not the same feeling whatsoever mm-hmm. and so uh, i wouldn't recommend especially for your first lens Uh, to get a prime lens. I feel like a prime lens is much more of a niche thing now. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's something that once you have a good kit that you're like, hey, this is a situation and 8518 is just killer in this. Go with the prime. Uh, I 
I'm more excited about seeing people go with the zoom. So, uh, you know, your first serious lens, I oh boy, there's so many and you've <laughs> just got to check the improved photography lens finder uh, just to get an idea at least of what's in, in the genre that you're looking for. But I would uh, lean towards that Tamron 28 to 75. It's like mm-hmm. 450 bucks. Uh, it's an f2.8 lens. It's pretty close to a 24 to 70, and it also doubles as a great macro. So that's probably my fa- my favorite uh, serious lens. Yeah, nice. And to be to be clear, we're not endorsing shooting a lion at 10 millimeters. <laughs> you know that might not be a good life choice. Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> Just zoom with your feet. It's the same thing. Yeah, zoom with your feet. <laughs> Come on, little closer. Famous last closer. words. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In every episode of the Improved Photography Podcast, we like to share with you a doodad of the week. And Sandy, what do you have with for us this week? Um, I've been reading this book, uh, The Photographer's Pricing System by Alicia Kane, and it's really good. If you're ready to take the step and start actually charging for your work, I would read this because it's so comprehensive and it talks about laying a good foundation and it goes uh, through step by step. And it's the best pricing book that I found in a really long time. Very cool. What do you have for us, Nick? So this week I have the TechNet small keyboard. Um, last week we talked a lot about the Wacom tablet and how how much I love it and everything. The problem with the Wacom tablet is how much of your desk it takes up. If you get the medium or the large, it, it's pretty large. It takes up a huge amount of space on your desk. And so typically you have your tablet on the right and then your keyboard on the left. Well, the problem with my old keyboard was that it was so long that I felt like I had to like lean way over to type anything, either that or I had my tablet way over to the right and then I had to lean way over there to use it. Um, So I finally abandoned my old keyboard and I got this tiny little simple square keyboard and it is so nice because it's very um small it's just very small and simple (laughs) and and because of that i can set it right next to my tablet and easily type anything and it's are are the keys normally spaced yep they're fair maybe a little bit tighter it's kind of like typing on a like a 13 inch laptop maybe like a small laptop they've abandoned the numeric pad or the numbers pad whatever you call that thing 10 key thing and it's it's a little bit more compact than your standard keyboard but it's it's not so compact that it's hard to type on it's just cheap little thing it's like 15 bucks and it just fits so nicely next to my tablet that i can finally comfortably have them both on my desk and not be constantly like moving them to where i feel like i can both type and use my my stylus everywhere that i need to use it so that's that by TechNet, and it's just a simple little um, keyboard that we'll put a link in the show notes for also speaking of which i wanted to let everybody know that we do have one spot that came available on the oregon coast tours that i'm doing with majeed if anybody's interested in that they can go over to nickpagephotography.com and get signed up for that or just send me a message somewhere either email me nickpagephotography at gmail.com or find me on facebook and send me a message but we do have one spot would love to have you guys there um that starts this coming monday so you don't have a lot of notice but if you're interested in that uh get in touch with me and you can come join us on the oregon coast nice very cool I have one last question. The bet yeah. that you guys made last week with the sports <laughs> photo and Do you want dying, pink hair? Can I get in on this or is that oh. cheating? Is that cheating because I'm a girl and I would look okay with pink hair? Like nobody would second guess it. <laughs> you can totally no, get this on is, that. You're in. 
All right. You've got so much more hair to ruin, though. I almost feel guilty. (laughs) Yeah, we were chatting about this earlier today. The only person who's just officially not invited into this contest is Jeff Harmon. Because he doesn't have any hair. He just has no beard, no hair. This this is just not fair. It's it's like a five-hour commitment for him. (laughs) It'll it'll be pink for five hours, and then he'll shave it off. That's not so. It's Uh, it's just sports photography. We got to capture right. No, no, it's not. We haven't decided what it is yet. We're going to let. I think we're going to let readers decide in some way what it's going to be. Maybe they should vote live. Uh, Maybe we should come up with a couple topics that would be okay with us. Like you know, come up with ten, and we should just vote live and let them pick. So nobody can plan what it's going to be. Exactly. And the only one that can't be in it is landscapes, right? Because Connor and I don't really do landscapes a whole lot. I think yeah. it, I think it should be landscapes. I mean, okay, I'll be I'll be a good sport. Whatever whatever they choose. You've got All so right, much my hair doodad. to ruin. <laughs> it's in now. It's okay. Okay. My doodad this week is the Tascam DR10L. Uh, this is a lavalier microphone. So if you're doing anything with video, you're ever doing interviews, you know, getting audio for a wedding. Um, anytime you want to use, uh, have nice audio. Um, I am have one of these on pre-order. There, it's a brand new product, and it looks great. So lavalier microphones uh, can record one of two ways. Usually, either it's a you know has the little microphone, and this is one of those like tiny little lapel microphones that you know clips to somebody's coat, like you see on the news or something. So it, it either goes from there. And it goes into a a little pack on that's, you know, on your back or you clip on your belt and it wirelessly sends the signal over to the receiver that then is recorded into a sound recorder. That's the way that most of them work. Then the other kind, the less expensive ones, just go from this microphone and a long cord and you just have a long audio cord running over to uh, to your sound recorder or to to the camera itself. Well, uh, somebody has finally invented this i've wanted this for so many years recording tutorials on location for improved photography this is the Tascam dr10 l uh, it's just a little pack that you clip on your belt and so the the microphone goes down a little cord and then the little pack is the recorder uh, so you can uh, so it, it records your audio right there and then you can you know just sync it with your video the other cool thing that it does, it has so many cool features in here. One, it actually has a battery monitor. So many of them don't have a battery monitor. So your audio just quits halfway through. And every time you record, it's not only recording a wave file, it's recording two wave files simultaneously, simultaneously at different gain levels. So if at some point you were too loud or if it's too noisy, you just go to the other recording that had a, a different gain and one of them hopefully is going to work. Ooh. Mind blown. This is awesome. Uh, if you do anything with pro audio, mm-hmm. uh, check out the Tascam DR10L. This thing looks awesome. It's 150 bucks. Um, and it's powered on just one AAA battery and lasts 10 hours. So very cool. That is that is really that is cool. really cool. <laughs> I'm and gonna go has, pre-order one right now. Right? Yeah, <laughs> as a, a limiter built into it, uh, it it's, it's pretty darn cool. What are they awesome like? Two hundred bucks. One hundred fifty. One hundred fifty. Okay. Nice. Um, and. Yeah, I, 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 I'm pretty excited about this. The reason that I had to make a switch is I was using the Rode SmartLav, the mm-hmm. one that pl- plugs into your phone for a couple of years, and it was okay. I know, Sandy, you didn't have such a great experience with mm-hmm. it. Uh, the audio quality is fine. It's not the greatest. Uh, but the problem that I have is I bought an iPhone 7 Plus 
No <laughs> headphone jack. <laughs> yeah, I got to Arizona. I got off the plane. I was ready to, to fly off to Sedona. And I realized I have no way to record my audio. Oh, nice. No. That's <laughs> so I had great. to stop at a store and buy something. Uh, why somebody didn't think of that before, I will not. I don't know. But that is the way they should be. That's excellent. Yes, that's, this is definitely how it should work. Very, very cool. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us uh, on this episode of the Improved Photography Podcast. I will say we mentioned the conference. That's the Improved Photography Retreat in Arizona, March 8 to 11, 2017. That's coming up in 155 days. And um, we have, I want to say, like 25 tickets left. No, it might just be 20 tickets. I can't remember. It's not many. Uh, So if you're wanting to get on there, uh, don't delay too much. Uh, we're excited to uh, see Mr. Nick Page dye his beard pink. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us in this episode, and we'll see you in the next one.